Welcome, everyone, to this edition of Popular Technology Radio. Glad to have you aboard for us today. And today we are talking about digital music. It is and Apple services, actually. So we're going to kind of do a lot of conversation about that stuff. And who else better to join me on this conversation than my good friend Jay Gilbert? He's the uh-huh. co-founder of Label Logic, which is a label and artist services organization. He is also the curator, and it was his wonderful idea to put a weekly newsletter out called Your Morning Coffee, which you can go to Label Logic's website and find out more about that. It is a wonderful newsletter that covers everything going on in the world of digital music. Good morning, Jay. For us, good morning. As I was mulling over what we were going to talk about today, I thought we should start with just the statement that we live in a wonderful time. You and I are of an age. We are, we, without belying our age, we are baby boomers. Yes. Uh, kind of near the end of the baby boomers, but but we're baby boomers nonetheless. And you know, I remember when I moved out. The first thing that I moved out and moved in was my crate of albums. <laughs> it was heavy, wasn't it? It was, and it was heavy. <laughs> and every time I moved in college and as a young adult, the albums were the last to go in my little Datsun truck. And then when I arrived at wherever I was moving to, it was the first stuff to go in because I yeah. wanted to set up the stereo. And my foray into albums, and this is uh, depending, if you're listening to this and you're of our age, you remember this. If you're younger than that, you may just have a blank stare on your face. But I started my album collection with the Columbia Record Club, which I think it was 12 albums for a penny, I think it was. Yeah. Then you were locked right. into to, to buying, I think, six at full price. But that's how I started my record collection. Mm-hmm. A lot of people did. A lot of people did. And then we moved on, and, and you and I both together and, and, uh, and at the same time worked in the music business. And so when CDs were introduced, we, of course, had massive collections of CDs, as I still do. And now, from my kids' generation, our kids' generation... They pay nine ninety nine a month or so, maybe going up a little bit, if not already, and they have access to just sure. about everything ever recorded yeah. uh, at fingertips. Yeah, just about. We live in wonderful times. Well, you skipped over just briefly the download era there, you know, which happened pretty I fast. Yes. It was a quick burn, right? I mean, <laughs> it, the configuration jumped in there really fast, took over the world, and then streaming came in, you know, screaming, and here we are. But you're right. I mean, it's it's pretty much everything. You know, it's Apple Music is like somewhere around 50 million tracks. Um, so yeah, you're absolutely right. But I would I would tell you though, interestingly enough, whenever we have kind of a format change, and I'll use movies as an example. When it first came to uh, well, it was beta and VHS. Remember the back mm-hmm. for that, and then yeah. uh, VHS ended up winning, and then we moved to DVDs, mm-hmm. and we moved to Blu-ray, and of course now downloads and streaming services as well for that. Right. But lots of stuff gets kind of left behind. So. Yeah. For various reasons, licensing or rights issues or all kinds of stuff, there is a lot of stuff that never makes it to the next thing. So I I caught myself when I was talking about all of the music ever recorded because that is not true. There's a lot of stuff that went out of print at some point. Or to your point that they don't have the rights to. There's so much stuff that could be put out if the lawyers could get together and work out, you know, the math. Well, or it, but it may not be worth it. That's always the equation that goes into it. Mm-hmm. Is, is it worth it to go and really track down a lot of this stuff? But there's a big business online of, of people still buying CDs because mm-hmm. it's not available on any of the streaming services. Or vinyl that never made it to CD, 
which in turn never made it to the street. Right, and the the stat that I like to shout out sometimes that I got from my business partner, Jeff Mosco, is that the average car age in the United States is 11 and a half years, and most of them still have CD players. <laughs> so there you go. So true, as mine does. So right sure. now in the U.S., if you are a music fan or you want to subscribe to any music service, it's kind of the big four, right? So it's Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon. Am I missing anybody that's... Well, four, but here, here's the thing. Uh, the, the biggest music streaming service isn't really a digital service provider. It's YouTube, right? So right. putting that aside, I mean, more people listen to music on YouTube than anywhere else. Yeah, it, you're correct. You know, it's Spotify, it's Apple Music, it's Amazon, you know, and depending what part of the world you're in, you know, Deezer or, you know, Pandora is still a beast. Kind of an, an asterisk by that one, right? Okay. I mean, that, that's a little different. So we've named the biggies. And when we come back, we are going to talk about what's going on with each one and then we're going to kind of get back to apple music a little bit and their okay. and how things are changing so on that note we're going to take a quick break you're listening to pop deck radio i'm mike etcher and i've got jay gilder here with us and we've got more when we come back Cancer is the number one cause of death by disease for children in the U.S. today. Since the Austin Hatcher Foundation's birth in 2006, it has grown to provide unique programs to help the children and the families affected by pediatric cancer. Support begins at the time of diagnosis and continues throughout survivorship at no cost to families. Lives touched by the foundation continue to rise each day. But we need your help. Donate, volunteer, or partner with the Austin Hatcher Foundation. Learn how you can get involved. Visit HatcherFoundation.org for more information. We're back. Mike Etchart with my good friend Jay Gilbert. He, of course, co-founder of Label Logic, which is a label and artist services organization. He is the curator of a wonderful, wonderful newsletter for digital music called Your Morning Coffee. If you go to labellogic.com, I think it is, Jay. Is it labellogic.net? Dot net, dot net, forgive me. That's right. uh, and you can subscribe to his awesome newsletter that comes out every Friday. So, Jay, so we were talking about the biggies, Apple. Spotify, yeah. Amazon, Google, YouTube with an asterisk by it, Pandora with an asterisk by it. But yeah. of the subscription services, the pure subscription services, so that, that is Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and Google, what's the ranking right now in terms of just popularity? Well, Spotify is the, the big dog on campus, but remember, they have a free tier, and Apple Music does not. Yeah. So, you know, I believe Apple Music has more paying subscribers in the United States or in North America than Spotify does. But remember, Spotify had, you know, a pretty big head start, you know, um, coming out for streaming. So in sheer numbers, you know, it's Spotify, you know, then it's Apple Music. Um, but don't count out Amazon. They're growing very fast because of the popularity of of the smart speaker, the Echo. Yes. They're very smart and they're doing some really, really creative things there where you can say, hey, play the best songs from 1989 or you know, what, play the best jazz tunes from the year I graduated from high school. They're doing some really interesting things there and I think that's really kind of the next phase of uh, music streaming. Well, you know, one of the things I talk about with, because I work with students, as you do in a different capacity, yeah. and you've been kind enough to come into classes that I've been in, and I always kind of tell the story of the big four. I say, let's talk about how they make most of their money. Apple, of course, makes it on hardware, for the most part. And Google, of course, makes it on advertising, online advertising. Amazon makes it on name the product. 
Spotify is kind of the outlier. Mm-hmm. All they do is digital music, and that puts them in a bit of a precarious position, does it not? They it does. They don't own any of their content. Uh, they license it. They all license it, but they don't have another line item of business yeah. to support their music business. What does that mean to their long-term health? What shall we say? Well, you're absolutely right, and what probably makes them uh, a little nervous is that. All these other companies that you're talking about, music is not their primary business. In some cases, it's not even one of their strongest verticals. So, you know, when you talk about an, an Amazon or an Apple or a Google, if they lost music tomorrow, they would still be fine as companies. They right. do it for a lot of other reasons, whether it's to sell services or, you know, bring traffic through the door or devices. There's a lot of other reasons that they do it. Spotify, they have been losing money which isn't necessarily a horrible thing. Amazon lost money for years on books before they were profitable and on music before they were profitable. So that in and of itself is not you know, an indictment against Spotify, but they are hemorrhaging cash. Um, they're heavily funded right now, so they're going to be around for the foreseeable future. But there are those in the business that feel like their next move is really to be uh, acquired by somebody else, that music is not their primary business. Yeah, it's funny. I just changed my auto insurance. And every now and again, I go, oh, you know, I need to go and kind of revisit and make sure I'm getting the best value for my auto insurance. Right. And all of us have so many different now subscription monthly dings coming out <laughs> of our checking. And we're going to have some bigger decisions to make in the next six months, let's say eight months, as as you know, Disney Plus coming online, right? Or Warner's is naming their, or AT and T now is naming their service. And you know, are you in for HBO? Or are you out for HBO? Depending on what you're interested in, um, you know, what I tell students is at some point, all of the other three besides Spotify can absorb increases in licensing fees if they choose to. So that puts them an advantage over Spotify. Whereas if they get increased licensing fees, which always go up. Mm-hmm. They're going to pass that along to you, and maybe you're going to find that Spotify might be a dollar more, let's say, in the future. Right. The other ones, what's your decision-making process? Do you stick with them? If it's $2 more, do you stick with them? Right. So, so, so Amazon, excuse me, so, so Spotify potentially is at a disadvantage for this reason alone, right? Right. And there's also, don't forget the other side of that coin, which is their free slash, uh, you know, advertised based tier with 100 million users. What happens when, and this has been the trend lately, what happens when the rights holders, you know, typically the uh, majors and, and major indies, you know, that own the rights to all the music that they're licensing, what happens when they say, look, we, we don't want you to be able to skip songs anymore, or we want more ads, or we want more revenue, or, you know, they're trying to tighten that down a little bit to make it less sexy. So maybe that's the entry drug and you decide that you really do like streaming music, but let's get you over to the paid uh, service as soon as possible because that's their only way, their only path to long-term health. So, yeah, it's it's complicated. Yeah, and on that note, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Pop Tech Radio. I'm Mike Etchard. I've got Jay Gilbert with me. We're talking digital music, and we're coming back. Brembo has been stopping champions on the track, as well as drivers like you and me on the street, for over 50 years. 
Whether it's UV-coated brake discs, low-dust premium ceramic brake pads, or high-temperature brake fluid, BremboStoreUSA.com is the place to go to buy genuine Brembo OE-equivalent replacement brake components. Go to BremboStoreUSA.com to help you achieve that 60-0 braking performance you deserve and expect from Brembo. Brembo, the choice of champions and consumers for over 50 years. Hey, and we are back. It's Pop Tech Radio. Mike Etchart with Jay Gilbert. He, of course, is an expert in the field of digital music, which is why he is here. He's the co-founder of Label Logic, and which is a label of artist services. And you got to read his newsletter, Your Morning Coffee, which you can find on labellogic.net. Is where he talks about trends in digital music, which is why he is here. Jay, let's talk about the asterisks that we were talking about earlier. Pandora and YouTube. How is Pandora doing? I like Pandora. Oh my gosh. Uh, I'm telling you, man, I work so closely with Pandora. They are the quiet storm. It's not sexy because it's kind of lean back. You know, it's more a lot of their listeners, at least the um, perception is that they sit and listen to it at work and they're not super involved. It couldn't be anywhere uh, further from the truth. They have millions and millions of listeners in, in all sorts of genres, but they're also doing some really innovative things. Like I'm a big fan of the track by track, you know, where somebody comes on and they say, okay, uh, my name's Post Malone and here's my new album. This is the narrative. This is what it's about. Here's track one. I wrote this about this. I've always loved those and I've seen some limited testing on Spotify and that's about it. Well, they have this thing on Pandora called Pandora Stories and now they've opened it up to you and me. So like we could put together our favorite grunge rock tunes and make our own kind of narrative or we can have artists that we work with go track by track through their artists. So they're growing again, they're doing some innovative things. And then when you talk about Google Play and there's so much confusion there and that's always been a challenge for me because YouTube Music is a DSP. It's a thing and you can subscribe to it and it's amazing and it's digital service provider by the way. Yeah, they really curate music well and it's pretty cool. And Google Play kind of tried to do that but it's still live and I don't know. There's a lot of confusion around what Google's messages and what their products are, but I'm telling you, they're doing some cool things, and they do have an audience. Back to Pandora, though. What I like about Pandora just is that if you're a musician, there's a lot of services for musicians that self-release their albums and their music, and you can go with a company like, let's say, CD Baby, and they will upload you to all of the digital services right. except Pandora. You have to do Pandora, if I'm not mistaken individually. So information has to be submitted to Pandora directly and they decide if they want to put you up. But they also listen to everything that comes in and then they kind of rank it and put it in kind of boxes. So when you're listening to a Nora Jones song, somebody has listened to this song they're about to serve up to you ahead of time and determine, as opposed to an algorithm determining that, they've determined if that's going to be a a good song to serve next to that, right? Um, But don't they have kind of a similar problem, which is they they also do not own any of this music. That's right. Uh, And so they are continually struggling with licensing issues. What is their long-term health? Well, they went through a thing in the last uh, 18 months where they wanted to kind of restructure, and they've done that. And I feel like they're heading in the right direction. Um, They've got a substantial base. Um, I feel pretty good about uh, their health. They've been around a while. Um, and 
some of the people that I work with there have been with the company 13, 14 years, and they know music, you know, to your point. They know curation. So for right now, I think they're fine. Long term, could they be acquired at some point? Yeah, maybe. Could they survive on their own? Well, they've they've outlasted their critics. You know, yeah. they're still doing pretty well. I think the the key for them is being innovative, which they certainly are doing, and being a good curator. And what I mean by that is if you like a certain type of music, they can or you can do it yourself, quickly build a station that plays music that you will like. And I think that's the part of the industry right now that I'm most excited about is how good these folks are getting, whether it's an algorithm, which I just call personalization, or, you know, if it's an actual curator putting things together, you know, whether it's Spotify's Release Radar, Discover Weekly, um, Apple Music is doing some really great curating. So when you you know, it's called For You. When you go in there each week, they suggest songs based on your listening habits, and it's ridiculously good. And this is happening not just at Apple Music um, and Spotify. It's happening at Pandora uh, to a large degree, and I think they were probably the first in the space to do it. Wow. Well, and, and you know, back in, back in the <laughs> – back when dinosaurs walked the earth and we looked <laughs> at the music industry, you know, when you were marketing music, you always were searching for – you wanted to reach those, and, and you know, if, if you remember back in high school, there was always a kid, maybe it was you, maybe it was a friend of yours, that was always at the front of the trends. And we're talking music, so you know, they, they always knew about the newest stuff. Right. And you're always trying to reach that person when, you, when we were marketing music back in the pre-digital right. era. Yep. And, and I mean, I think that, that curation, uh, just like a trusted resource, uh, kind of a trendsetter, is is still super important, is it? Because there's just so much music. Oh, yeah. Well, it's like that early adopter that you're talking about, right? Then, you know, we worked in record stores, and we were kind of that person. But here's the thing. Today, what's what's really exciting about this is these digital service providers, you know, like Spotify and Apple Music, et cetera, they know who the first person to, to get into Drake or the Chainsmokers or whoever they know who those those tastemakers are and so they use that data and now they're watching these folks knowing that these are the guys that are hip to the early country stuff and EDM and pop and metal so now they know just with the data who those early adopters are and when they jump on something early then they put it into those playlists for you and me that follow those genres and you wonder like how are these guys so far ahead of the curve on this stuff it's because their audience is Exactly. On that note, we've got to take a break. We're talking to Jay Gilbert. We're talking about digital music, and we are coming right back. Now's the time to join the Brotherhood of Muscle because we're offering Dodge Power Dollars, which means for each horsepower, you'll get $10 off your purchase. Roll out in the Challenger SRT Hellcat Red Eye and get $7,970 off. Maybe you'll take off in a Dodge Charger or tear up the streets in a Durango. Hurry in to your local Dodge dealer now and save. See dealer for details. Offer not available on vehicle leases. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 930-19. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC.
Hey, welcome back. Pop Tech Radio, Mike Edchart, my good friend Jay Gilbert joining us. He, of course, is an expert in digital music. We are talking about all the different ways that we are spoiled, how you can get music at any time, almost anything you want to listen to. Let's talk about the big dog, so to speak, the biggest dog, which is YouTube. Yeah. Now, so Google has YouTube. <laughs> they also have <laughs> music. Google Play. Google Play. It's a bit confusing, but YouTube is, it's the big kahuna for in a variety of categories, but yeah. so for music, why? It, well, it's the number one place for music consumption, and I think the basic reason is they have everything. They have things that nobody else will have because, you know, they may have a performance of your favorite band on a late night TV show or they may have some anime music, you know, from Japan. I mean, they have things that maybe aren't packaged and put together for the other digital service providers and certainly not for physical uh, consumption. So there's that, but there's also the fact that, you know, I have two college age girls and their number one place to listen to music, that's my focus group, is YouTube. And it's because they build these playlists uh, in YouTube um, because they can find anything and then they just let it play while they study. The other part of that is you've seen these things called pseudo videos. And most people may not know that term, but you've seen these online where it's just the album art and an audio bed. That's right. all it is. And sometimes you might look at that and go, well, this isn't a video. What, what is this? But that's why they call it a pseudo video because it's the whole song. And you can put that into a playlist along with any other songs that you have and, and listen to it. And for most people, it's free of charge. Yes, YouTube has a paid tier and you know they have their music and uh, you know they have Google Play and, and things that you can pay for. But for, for a lot of kids and adults, it's a free service that has everything on the planet that you can possibly find. And I'm smiling because I have a favorites list and it's mostly – obscure people doing interesting covers of songs or exactly or it's watching a live butch walker concert oh, watching and where else could you find that and where else can you find that you know again back in the in the music days we were fans of paralegal or semi-legal things like they were referred to as bootlegs in those days but basically right. you know live recordings of artists that weren't officially released that that were traded around and those things now are everywhere on youtube just alternate versions or studio chatter and it does sometimes get taken down but by and large you can find so much stuff but now how does the artist get paid for that and for years youtube was a money loser for google is it yeah. is a money maker now or is well it... i think with youtube the way that it's monetized of course is advertising and there are people who are making a good living monetizing video content on YouTube. There are YouTube stars that make vast amounts of money. But there is a problem right now between the music industry and Google with the rates that they pay rights holders. And that's been a thorn in their side for a while. Lear Cohen went over there and he's kind of the new point person for Google and Google's music initiatives. Lear and old music industry executive. So he's been around that's for a right. Yep. So he went, he yeah. now is kind of on the dark side, so to speak. <laughs> I'm not anti YouTube, but I do think that in order for rights holders to stay in business, and especially for songwriters and, and for artists, 
there needs to be kind of a reboot on the financials of not just YouTube, but the industry as a whole. But YouTube it has been criticized for their low payouts. Right. Well, and you and I were, were working in the music industry at the same time in the early days of the internet and, and digital music, I suppose. And we saw a parade of people coming in the door with new ideas, typically websites in those days, yeah. that wanted to build businesses on the back of the major music company's content. That's right. And, and that's still kind of the case, isn't it? You know, they, they, at the end of the day, the artists, the, the creators of this music have to be paid. And that has sometimes been a difficult concept or importance to explain to a lot of these companies that are the new economy, so to speak. Right. And I think the majors are very careful about licensing their their content, their music. And when they do, they've learned from not making money on the iPod. That that really kicked it off. And so yeah. now they all own a piece of, <clears throat> excuse me, Spotify, for example. Um, so they're, they're invested in the business and they reap the benefits of its uh, financial success. Um, that's something you'll remember back when, you know, the the iPad launched – um, I'm sorry, the iPod, there was a lot of complaint in the industry that they were selling a lot of these iPods and the music industry wasn't making any money from it. So that's what they learned from it. Right. And in those days, if, you know, it's, if for a lot of people, they've forgotten about the iPod, but the, you know, the iPod came with iTunes software, which was great. But the wonderful thing about iTunes software is you inserted a compact disc in there. <laughs> but you'll remember that the iPod actually came out in 2001. iTunes didn't launch until 2003. So we were using all this other software to, to rip this stuff. And there wasn't really a store and there wasn't really a legal place for us to go buy music. And I think that's how Steve Jobs really sold this to the majors is like, look, people are stealing your music right now. Yeah. Uh, you need to monetize it and I can help you do that. Well, and that's really a testament to his vision, but also his unique position at that point in time yeah. to be the person on the outside that truly, I mean, the guy loved music. He was an absolute fan of music. Questionable. And, but because of his unique stature in the consumer electronics industry, and he was able to kind of corral all those people and speak to them in a language they understood and make that first iTunes store happen, which was Mac only at the beginning. That's right. Or yeah, I credit him, and I also credit uh, Jimmy Iovine as being one of the first to actually get it and sit down and strike a deal. Like Initially, everybody kicked Apple out of the office and said, no, we're not going to do this. And Jimmy Iovine was one of those people who initially did not want to do it. But then he kind of saw the light and teamed up with him and you'll remember that they even had a U2 iPod at one point you know they became fast friends and partners yeah alright on that note we gotta take a quick break you're listening to Pop Tech Radio we are talking digital music with Jake Gilbert and we will be right back after these words have you ever tried to plan a vacation and the hotel costs airfare and pet sitter all add up to one big never mind well, it's time to embrace the adventure and go RVing instead. GoRVing.com is your one-stop shop for all things RV camping. Browse the different types of RVs, find a rental agent or dealer near you, and compare the costs. Explore more than 16,000 RV parks and campgrounds nationwide, and even plan your menus for the trip. Find out what you've been missing at GoRVing.com. That's GoRVing.com.
You're listening to Pop Tech Radio. Welcome back. Mike Edshaw, my good friend Jay Gilbert. He, of course, is uh, the co-founder of Label Logic, uh, which is a label and artist services uh, organization. He is also the curator of the uh, weekly weekly newsletter, Your Morning Coffee, which you can go to labellogic.net and subscribe to Your Morning Coffee. If you are a fan of digital music, it is a fascinating read and highly, highly, highly recommended. Let's swing. There was actually an article in Gizmodo about kind of the new... Now, now prior, up until right now, all of Apple's stuff has been app-based. And, and you know, right. you, in fact, you were the first person I remember that got an iPhone. You got an, I mean, an iPhone the day it came out, right? I did, yeah. And, and that, you know, the, the, the smartphones, but certainly the, the iPhone, uh, introduced us to the world of apps. Yeah. And up until now, apps have ruled the universe. Are we now seeing a move away from apps? Well, I think when you're talking about Apple, they've been kind of sunsetting or evolving uh, certain services, you know, um, news, you know, has become News Plus. They kind of sunsetted Final Cut, you know. Apple TV is becoming TV Plus. And this is a natural progression. You know, they started off, everything was proprietary. That's how Apple worked, right? And now... The direction they're going is to make things more ubiquitous. So you can watch Apple TV on any of your smart TVs. And when it comes to Apple Music, yeah, initially, you know, iTunes was only for the Mac. And, you know, I believe Apple Music started off uh, iOS only first, too. Uh, don't quote me on that. But, but now with Apple Music, it's at least, as you see in the Gizmodo article, and there's a the few others... It's it's available on the web now in in beta, and it looks identical to Apple Music that you would find you know via the app, with one huge difference, and and that is that it doesn't have the iTunes Music Store. Mm-hmm. Interesting. May it rest in peace. <laughs> well, you know, you still get your music. Like you still have, you know, my music. Mm-hmm. So if you know, and I I double check that because I have a lot of demos and unmastered things from clients and you know i need to have that and it's not ever going to be up on apple music at least not in that form and that is all there in my library in my recently added so it's basically identical it must be pulling from the same database it'd have to be um so that works really well but it makes sense because now it'll work on all browsers and all platforms so you know, not only just the the different browsers, but on you know Windows and Android, and and I think that's where they become bigger. Is to be you got to make it as easy as possible for people to access your service, and they're making a giant step with making this uh, on the web. So so currently, Apple is the largest of the. Um so of the paid subscription services. And then, again, there's kind of an asterisk by that statement because while uh, Spotify might be more popular, many of its users use the free service. How? F- but, but Amazon is catching up. So it sounds like Google is kind of unclear what their direction is. Is that, is that a fair way to, to characterize I think they're, they're in the middle of uh, focusing uh, their efforts right now, um, and they're making changes and consolidating services, and, and I feel like they're on the right path. I think with Amazon, Amazon is not you know, as big as Apple Music or Spotify or even YouTube, of course, but I, I think they're the fastest growing 
uh, at this point as far as the just as a percentage of uh, new um, paying um, people taking the service. Now, keep in mind that, you know, if you get, you know, Amazon Prime, you know, you get the service. And, you know, when you get one of these, you know, Echo devices, um, you can get uh, the paid subscription for, you know, I think it's three ninety five. So there, there are some reasons why that's happening, but also just the fact that voice is not just for geeks anymore. Now, you know, like my parents have a smart speaker in their house, and you know, they use it to listen to music. Um, so it's it's crossing over mainstream. Well, and 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 I, I, and I don't know your parents. I mean, I've never met your parents. I know of your parents, but do they were they music listeners before? They were, but it was physical, you know, they would get a CD and listen to it, you know, in their house or their car. And they really didn't get into the download era. Um, it, they they liked, you know, they're 80 years old. They liked having the physical, tactile thing in their hands. But streaming, especially if you can just say it, you know, yes. play this type of thing, um, that is huge to them. And, and you know, uh, once they they got that, um, uh, I don't think they'll ever go back to anything else. Um, let's talk about kind of the other, you know, we've really talked about the big guys. You know, there's also, as you mentioned, there's Deezer, there's Tidal. Yeah, um, yeah Cobas. There's a, there's a bunch of these guys. Deezer is a quiet storm. They're mostly ex-U.S. and they were primarily outside of the U.S. until the last year or so. And you can get them, you know, on certain plans here in the United States. But um, they're... They're moving up quickly. They're very big in other territories. You'll remember that Spotify, you know, kind of started in the Nordics, you mm-hmm. know, and I think that's where you can grow an audience and just, you know, it just grows across other territories like that. So, and then, the, you know, on Cobuzz, they, they're really more for those who care about a higher bit rate, you know, right. higher quality sound and, and not everybody wants that, but some people do. You know, Apple has, you know, mastered for iTunes. Um, So Cobuzz is is unique in the fact that that's really they're more of an audiophile kind of place to go. Um, But there's also this a new digital um, service provider, Music Aficionado. And they don't have large numbers right now, but they're probably my favorite digital service provider of the moment only because it's like a magazine. When you go on to this service, it's you see articles like here are the 12 blues songs that shaped modern rock and roll and here are and then they tell you the story behind it as you're listening. So it's kind of like a magazine and I just I think the people who do the best job at curating and expressing that narrative, that's where you're going to win. Absolutely. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Popular Technology Radio Mike Etchard and Jay Gilbert. We are coming right back. Over the years, automakers have spent a lot of time talking about the future. At Kia, they don't sit around dreaming of a better tomorrow because they already made it so that you can have it today. Introducing Kia's lineup of electrified Nero SUVs, the hybrid, the plug-in, and the electric with an EPA-estimated range of 239 miles. Because the future is just the future until we make something of it. Kia, give it everything. 239-mile EPA-estimated range on a full charge. Actual range may vary. Nero EV is in select retailers and select markets with limited availability. If you're going to tell them everything, 
Tell him I'm a good kisser. Tell him all the things you told me in your desk. Welcome back to Pop Tech Radio. Mike Edshart with my good friend Jay Gilbert. He, of course, of Label Logic, labellogic.net. They are a label and artist services organization. And if you go to labellogic.net, you can subscribe to Jay's fantastic weekly newsletter called Your Morning Coffee, which is it is the must-read publication in the music industry for sure. Uh, and if you're a fan of digital music and kind of interested in that business, that is where you find some fantastic information. You know, Jay, we were kind of talking about, you know, all the different services. In business, you kind of mentioned that there's kind of room for three, let's say, or mm-hmm. currently there's like seven or eight. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot. You know, if you're looking down the road in the next, let's say, I don't know, five to ten years, do they all survive? It doesn't seem like... No, I don't think they do. And I think you've seen some of them kind of fall to the wayside um, already. I was a big fan of Slacker Radio. Um, They were really great at curating. And, you know, you and I have touched on, you know, like Amazon Music Unlimited and Apple and Deezer and Google Play and all, you know, Spotify, all of those. And maybe that is only a dozen or so. But if you put your music up, any way you want to put your music up. Let's say it's TuneCore, CD Baby, DistroKid, or whatever. An artist. If you're an artist, you want. To yeah, if you're an artist and you want to put music up on these services, when you look at the services that they go to globally, there are dozens and dozens of them. It's Absolutely. not. Yeah, I mean, so there's so many of these, and some of them are territorial. Like as you probably know, the Japanese market is very insular, and they have streaming services that are only in Japan. So. Keeping that in mind, I think that of the streaming services that we're talking about, I believe that the ones where music is not their primary business are the ones that will probably be around the longest and grow the largest number of subscribers. Now, you know, as Dennis Miller says, you know, that's just my opinion. I could be wrong, (laughs) right? right? So. I, I really do hope that some of these places, like I told you, you know, the music aficionado, I, I just love that uh, service so much. CoBuzz is doing some really cool things. I think you kind of almost have to differentiate yourself. And I don't mean that you just have to do jazz or you have to do EDM. You know, that certainly is one way of going about it. But just be better. You know, that's how retailers did it. They were good curators. They had the aesthetic, the user interface, as it were. I think that's how you make yourself relevant and last the longest. But if I was a betting man, I, you know, I just think that the, the Apple, you know, the Amazon, the Google, it's hard to bet against those folks because music is, is a rounding error for their overall business. Right. But I also kind of like the Cobuzz model or the music aficionado where it's, it is they're focusing on a niche market that yes. that maybe isn't so cost sensitive right so you know it's it's not going to be for my college age kids but it's going to be for maybe it will be for them when they are established in careers and have a lot more disposable income and their tastes are refined over the years and and I, I don't know. I mean, so you, yeah. you, you often see, you know, premium products and, and kind of luxury goods oftentimes survive and do well. Um, I don't know if that directly translates to music or to digital music, but, you know, it's going to be well. And, and then, of course, you know, who's to say that Pandora or Spotify uh, doesn't get absorbed by a much larger company? That's always. Possible. Yeah. 
well. It, it's always, you know, they could merge together, you know, they could diversify and become something, you know, remember when MTV was all about music videos and then mm-hmm. it became something totally different but still survived. I think some of these, there's a lot of podcasts right now that are, um, the audiences are growing. People are understanding what podcasts are and how much great material is out. I think a lot of these digital service providers are struggling right now to either buy companies or to expand their services. So they have an offering of these great podcasts. Well, maybe some of these services could be like an audible, you know, for books mm-hmm. and they're more for, you know, they focus more on podcasts or whatever's next. There's always something that we're not talking about or we're not thinking about right neck right now uh, that's going to be coming along the pipe. I mean, if history has shown us anything, you know, it's that. That's right. Exactly right. But suffice to say, the days of carrying a carton or a crate of albums <laughs> is in the past. And on that note, we do need to wrap it up. I want to thank everyone for listening today and wanted to remind you that if uh, you want to go back and revisit any of our old episodes, we are podcast at all of the uh, places where you can get podcasts, which for me is uh, Apple. I, I almost said Apple iTunes, but I guess it's it's a, actually Apple Podcasts now. Uh, so I just want to thank uh, our, our terrestrial radio carrier, Radio America, for bringing us out to all the great stations across the country that carry this show. Big thanks to Mike Paradiso and Jenny Ditas and all those other kids. And big thanks to Cody Castleberry for being my producer and engineer and making it happen every week. And Jay Gilbert, a thousand thank yous. Always fun to have you on the show, brother. Thank you. All right, folks, thanks for listening in for this edition of Pop Tech Radio. We will see you this time next week. The big news from Subaru is the three-row Ascent. It's the biggest SUV from Subaru ever. There's room for seven or eight passengers with a choice of second-row captain's chairs or bench seating. It'll tow up to 5,000 pounds. It has interior space you need for your whole crew. And it gets you where you want to go with the safety of a Subaru, including standard symmetrical all-wheel drive. The three-row Subaru Ascent. Love is now bigger than ever. Maximum towing capacity varies by trim level, and trailer brakes may be required. See your retailer for details.